0: And uh, let's get right into it. We'll open up with a word of prayer. Um, Tim, could you open us up in a word of prayer?
1: Lord, as we come before you this, this evening, I ask that you would uh, just thank you for the opportunity to be here. And, uh, John has been the and so Just So stay awake, stay um, focused on the words that's open and taught
0: looking for something to good apply our lives Let's speak to us amen. And Lord, in Jesus name. Amen. amen amen all right so we're on lesson eight Moses on the mountain who can remember what was lesson seven last week Moses. Moses. It, was, it was about Moses and Moses and his faithful friends yep and what was it about particularly yeah. yep, yep helping out our uh, helping out our leaders, supporting our leaders uh, let 's see what well, specifically the subtitle there <coughs> following the faith of god 's leader, but yep, good job you guys good good memory all right, so Moses on the mountain, and this is specifically going over kind of obeying god 's command, so hence the obedience is very best way um, and kind of segues from. Uh, Corey's sermon this morning, so yeah, that'll be good. So primary requirement of God's children has always been O-B-E-D-I-E-N-C-E. This is evident in today's story as God established a moral law that He expected His people to obey. At this stage of Israel's journey from Egypt to Canaan, God gave them Ten Commandments to guide their nation. Since the days of Moses, these commandments have become an iconic symbol even in America's heritage in legal development. These core commandments that Moses twice received are universally accepted as a moral standard of behavior. They serve to codify, codify exactly what God expects and are remarkable for their brevity and clarity. I was thinking it is really interesting Sometimes I get thinking like crazy, sometimes kind of weird, like crazy broad. But kind of today's, everything going on today and uh, abortion and stuff like that and redefining morals, and it is amazing, like where did, you know, Japan and everybody get their morals from? Like, how do we know that killing somebody is wrong? How yeah, how do we know that? Those animals don't know that. You know, if we're just animals, where did that come from? You know, it comes from the Lord, and he's put that in us, and in, like probably most of the world, morals, laws, Christianity comes from the Ten Commandments. To me, it's like thinking about that in that broad spectrum of how sovereign the, uh, God is and where most of the world recognizes the Ten Commandments as right and moral. You know. And how, uh, off subject, but rabbit trail, and that's what makes some of this stuff so evil is once you start redefining stuff, how far, how far it can go, you know, eventually killing somebody I mean that's what Hitler and the Nazis was they decided who should live because it was for their good that because they weren't good enough uh, they didn't meet some spirits so they, they were brainwashed enough to believe that they were doing these people a favor by killing them because they weren't the master race so just how crazy that sounds but that's how far off you can get um, Anyway, big, long rabbit trail there, but how important these Ten Commandments are, and what the Lord expects of us. Point number one, the what commitments, the what commitments. And I will go ahead and read the little, as a little hint, any real relationship involves commitments on both sides. This provides true with husbands and wives and with teammates. It's also true with the Lord and his people. It's a little hint there. Starts with a, not an A, but an M. It has to do with both people making commitments. Mutual. 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 I think of, uh, whenever I hear that word mutual, I think of the drive, chip, and putt contest. Mutual of Omaha. <laughs> mutual. The Mutual Commitments. So, first in the Mutual Commitments, the, um, oh, I almost gave it away. God.
1: God. one <laughs> <laughs> <Yep>. of
0: <laughs> well, the Pat Sunday school lines are yeah. Bingo. Um, so, God made a pledge to the people. So, he's the one that made the first commitment uh, to us. And what a picture that marriage has on um, to the Lord and his relationship to us. So Exodus chapter 19 verses 3 through 6 says, And Moses went up unto God, and the Lord called unto him out of the mountain, saying, Thus shalt thou say to the house of Jacob, and tell the children of Israel, Ye have seen what I did unto the Egyptians, and how I bear you on the eagles' wings, and brought you unto myself." Now, therefore, if ye will obey my voice indeed and keep my covenant, then ye shall be a peculiar treasure unto me above all people. For all the earth is mine, and ye shall be unto me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words which thou shalt speak unto the children of Israel. It is fascinating how God again reminded Israel of their God given victory over the Egyptians. He did this many times over the course of Israel's journey to the Promised Land. He knew that his people needed, to, needed the reminder that they served a great and mighty God. A wise Christian will reflect on past victories that God has given and take hope in what God can do in the future. David, the man after God's own heart, declared in Psalm seventy-seven, eleven: I will remember the works of the Lord. Surely I will remember the wonders of old. When we take time to remember the goodness and power of God, our daily walk is affected. After God reminded the Israelites of His works, He then made a promise. If they obeyed His commandments, they would be His peculiar treasure. Uh, Peculiar can be defined as set apart. He also stated that they would be a kingdom, a priest, and a holy nation. It is wonderful to realize That to obey God's commands makes one special and unique. As we live a holy lifestyle that is pleasing to God, He will richly reward us. And it goes along to um, what Dad has said before that has stuck with me of how the world wants to drive being unique and different. Um, And that is in us, but to do it the world's way, the more unique and different you be, the more faddish you become the more like alike you become so it's really interesting if you know we obey God's commandments um, Our all of our special gifts and talents um, God will develop and we have a special unique relationship with him and how unique we can be uh, through the Lord Leviticus 19 verse 2 speak unto all the congregation of the children of Israel and say unto them, Ye shall be holy, for I the Lord your God am holy. Leviticus twenty twenty six says, And ye shall be holy unto me, for I am the for I am the Lord, I am holy, and have served you from other people, that ye should be mine. First Peter one, fifteen through sixteen, but as he which hath called you is holy, so be ye holy in all manner of conversation. Because it is written, Be ye holy, for I am holy. 1 Corinthians two nine, but as it is written, I hath not seen nor ear heard, neither have ye entered into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them that love him. That's a crazy verse. Eyes hath not seen nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man, can't even conceive, um, these things which God hath prepared for them that love him. John chapter fourteen, verse twenty one, He that hath my commandments and keepeth them. He it is that loveth me. And he that loveth me shall be loved of my Father, and I will love him and will manifest myself to him. Subpoint B The what made a pledge to God? People. Ooh, good one. Dad, quick on the draw there. I remember how to spell people because that was the one I had a hard time spelling in school. So I had to like make up a little tune like I P-E-O-P-E-L-E. So, I don't know why that one was so hard to spell, but it was. All right, Exodus chapter 19, verse 8 says, And all the people answered together and said, All that the Lord has spoken, we will do. He will do our job. And Moses returned to the words of the people unto the Lord. After receiving the pledge from God, the children of Israel responded, all that the Lord has spoken we will do. This statement contains two commitments. First, they promised to obey, and second, they promised to obey completely. This total obedience is exactly what God is looking for in his children today. If we only obey God partially, then how can it truly be said that we obey him at all. A witness in court must make a commitment to tell the, you can say it with me, the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. Um, any deviation from the truth is essentially a lie. When we wit- when a witness tells a lie in court, he has committed a willful act of falsifying the truth, which is known as perjury. And it can be, and it is very serious offense, and can actually be classified as a felony. If a person is convicted of perjury, you can receive a prison sentence of up to five years. That's pretty crazy. Uh, a pledge to be truthful is very important. And that kind of goes you know, what Corey was talking about this morning of, you know, we are commanded to be witnesses uh, and give the great commission, um, and we tend to get lazy or do it partly. Going to do it, or you know, we have our excuses, but um, Lord wants us to be obeyed completely and holy. So, what is obedience that is only partial? To put in terms of numbers, let us consider the Ten Commandments. Would uh, will God be pleased if we only obey five of them? How about seven or eight? That is better, but still not good enough. And Um, yeah, what uh, the Lord says in James chapter 2, verse 10. We see uh, even if we mess up one commandment, kind of like telling a partial truth, um, you know, we're guilty of all. So James 2, verses 10 through 11 says, For whosoever shall keep the whole law, and yet offend in one point, he is guilty of all. For he that said, Do not commit adultery, said also, do not kill. Now, if thou commit no adultery, yet if thou kill, thou art become a transgressor of the law. Some have compared God's commandments to a chain in which breaking one link will break the entire chain. As we go through our week, let's commit to total obedience in every area of life. Um, yeah, and specifically on my heart, uh, with the message this morning... Um, as being the witness, Lord wants me to be. And being in complete obedience there. All right, sub point, or well, point number. Did I get some point two? Got some point B. So, point number two the what commandments. And this starts with an M. All these mountain words. Speaks of strength, mighty. mighty. Ooh, good one, Mom. The mighty commandments. These commandments were given by God, engraved by His very finger on the tablets of stone. Knowing his people had short memories. God wanted these commandments in writing and preserved for future generations. And uh, there's been this illustration a time or two before, but it is a, uh, it's a good illustration. Um, it says, a businessman well known for his ruthless um, business practices once announced to writer Mark Twain, before I die, I mean to make a pilgrimage to the Holy Land. I will climb to the top of Mount Sinai and read the Ten Commandments aloud at the top. And Mark Twain replied, I have a better idea. You could stay in Boston and keep them. <laughs> now, these commandments were so important to God that, later, that God later directed them to be carried by the Levites inside the Ark of the Covenant. And along with the golden pot of manna and Aaron's rod that budded. These were tangible reminders of God's precepts, God's provision, and God's power. Subpoint A, they listed man's duty to... Oh, God, had too many easy ones in this one. I should have maybe switched some up, make it a little trickier. Right. So these, so we're going through the mighty commandments. So and this is kind of how Dad kind of helped us when we were going through these, broke them up and helped us remember the Ten Commandments. The first um, four is the subpoint man's duty to God. Um, So so the Scripture shows us that before we can have proper relationships with other people, we must first have proper relationship with God. Spouses will not have a right relationship with each other, sounds familiar, if they do not have a right relationship with God. Parents and their children cannot have a right relationship unless, first of all, they are in obedience and submission to God. These first four commandments clearly and concisely list man's responsibility toward God. Christ summed, summed them up this way, And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy mind, and with all thy strength. This is the first commandment. So commandment number one. What is right, right here? Is... That summary. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. Verse and that's in the in verse three. In society that was extremely polytheistic, God made it clear that there was only one God. Many religions allow Jesus to be one of the gods, but Jesus said, He is the way, not a way. Like we sing in Jesus loves me, there is one gate, um, the truth and the life. The God who created the universe stands alone. Isaiah forty five eighteen says, "For thus saith the Lord that created the heavens, God Himself that formed the earth and made it, He hath established it, He hath created it not in vain, for He formed it to be inhabited." I am the Lord, and there is none else. Number two. I was trying to remember all the pictures that, uh, that we went over, but I couldn't remember them, so we're just going to write them out. No. And I think Andy, did you do some?
1: Uh, we did the
0: arrows. Did yeah so Andy had some alternative pictures as well that we went over it's been a year or two ago. but yeah, so there are some pictures. yeah, I remember that, that one was a swan when it gets like in four and five. I start forgetting them so but two, no graven images thou shalt not make unto thee any graven image while we are, hum- while we are to humble ourselves before God and to bow the knee before him. We are never to bow or serve any man-made object. Although most faithful Christians will not deny ever bowing before an idol, it is still appropriate to ask: When did we last humble ourselves and bow before the one true God? Ultimately, Israel was judged by God and taken into captivity because of idolatry and other sins, which uh, idolatry led to. Which idolatry led? Kind of on that point with the quarries message, uh, how much often do we um, have something more important like a football game or something to go to instead of being in the house of the Lord or uh, taking time to witness or minister to somebody? How often do we do that? Uh, that's in a way not bowing before the Lord and making something more important than God, which is idolatry. Second Chronicles chapter thirty-six, fourteen through sixteen. Moreover, all the chief of the priests and the people transgressed very much after all the abominations of the heathen, and polluted the house of the Lord, which he had hallowed in Jerusalem. And the Lord God of their fathers sent to them by His messengers, rising up betimes and sending, because He had commission or because He had compassion. On his people and on his dwelling place, but they mocked the messengers of God, despised his words, and misused his prophets until the wrath of the Lord rose against his people till there was no remedy. So if we want to get ourselves in a bad way, we let idolatry take hold in our lives. the Lord judges that pretty severely. Commandment number three. Is there a way to summarize that shorter <laughs> i I felt a little like ah. <laughs> maybe from or from I don't. Know. And some of the OCD people. Not that we have any of those there. <laughs> and, you know. and that's going to drive me nuts. <laughs> it's too long. Right. Oh, well. No taking God's name in vain is about as short as I can think of to make that. Mammon number three, thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. Satan will do everything in his power to get us to demean or dishonor God's name, but the name of the Lord is to be honored. Christians should refrain from directly taking the name of the Lord in vain, but also from using slang words that replace his name. This is usually done when we are angry or upset. Our desire should be to honor and protect the name of of the one who gave his life for us. Romans 13:7 Render therefore all their dues, tribute to whom tribute is due, custom to whom custom, fear to whom fear, honor to whom honor. Leviticus 24:16 and he that blasphemeth the name of the Lord he shall surely be put to death. And I think it was Andy talking about this very thing not too long ago of even just using it lightly. We don't have to use it as a cuss word but even just taking it lightly and not being holy in reverence um, when we uh, use the Lord's name. Commandment number four. Yeah, I do or we're gonna mess up the nose here. Let's say remember Sabbath. Did I spell that right? Sabbath. Two Bs. Let's say. That's kind of a big part of it. Keep it holy too. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Remember God rested on the seventh day after His work of creation. The Sabbath day belonged to the Lord in a special way. He commanded His people to give that day to Him. Today God commands Christians to do the same by assembling of ourselves together in His house. Hebrews 10.25 Not forsaking the assembly of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another in so much the more as you see the day approaching. In Numbers 15, 32-36, God once again showed how how seriously he took the commandments he had given. A man was found gathering sticks on the Sabbath day for what he undoubtedly thought was a good reason. However, God told Moses that the man shall surely be put to death, while the congregation shall stone him with stones without the camp. Many Christians today do not take the Lord's Day seriously. Their recreational pursuits often take precedence over their church attendance. They protest, but Sunday is the only day I have. The fourth commandment makes it very clear that God's day is the only day we do not have to do as we wish. Yeah, that that one's um... pretty straightforward. can be pretty tough. Yeah, so that's uh, Commandments 1 through 4, which go to this one right here. So now we're on Commandment number 5. Subpoint B, so now we've got uh, listed all the commandments of our duties to God. We have, uh, they list our mighty commandments, they listed man's duties to other men. So number five is... Honor thy father and mother. Um, so we see here the first four commandments deal with man's duty to God. The next set of commands explains how we are to treat our fellow human beings. In Christ's answer to the young scribe about the most important commandments, he continued, and yeah, the first he said, Obey, you know, um, Love the Lord thy God, the, and the second is like unto it, namely this, that thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Pretty much... Sums up the rest of the commandments. Um, There is none other commandment greater than these. In directing man's proper relationship with uh, with other men, God begins by dealing with man's relationship to parents. These are our earliest human relationships and the most important relationships of our formative years. God commands children to obey their parents, but going beyond obedience is a command to honor our parents. Honor includes deference and respect. God command to obey and honor parents was repeated by the apostle Paul in the New Testament. This is always God's command regardless of the dispensation. Ephesians chapter 6 verses 1 through 2. Children obey your parents in the Lord for this is right. Honor thy father and mother which is the first commandment with promise. Colossians 3:20 Children obey your parents in all things. For this is well pleasing unto the Lord. How interesting it is that the Lord begins this next set of commandments with um, honoring our father and mother, it has to do with the very base of uh, the family, how that is being attacked so hard today. Today's permissive parenting philosophy allows a degree of disrespect from the child, excusing it as a part of growing up. The Apostle Paul describes this viewpoint as typical of the last days before God brings his final judgment upon this world. 2 Timothy 3, 1-5 is the verse he references here. And, um, yes, I'll just read verse A couple of the verses on verse 2, it says, For men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy. And that's right in there with a lot of other um, really rough sins. Um, So that is the first commandment on the second set of commandments of our commitments to men. Commandment number six. Thou shalt not kill. No, kill. So we can get back on our no thing air. God is the giver of life. Death came as a result of sin. After the first sin of disobedience, the sin of murder soon followed. And kind of interesting how that worked with um, Cain and Abel um, and how that kind of goes with uh, the commandments here, honor the father and mother, and then once that was kind of broken, uh, he did not honor his heavenly father, and then death soon resulted. So Genesis 4, 8 through 12, And Cain talked with Abel his brother, and it came to pass, when they were in the field, that Cain rose up against Abel his brother and slew him. And the Lord said unto Cain, Where is Abel thy brother? He said, I know not. Am I my brother's keeper? And he said, What hast thou done? The voice of thy brother's blood crieth unto me from the ground. And now art thou cursed from the earth, which hath opened her mouth to receive thy brother's blood from thy hand. When thou tillest the ground, it is not henceforth yield unto thee her strength. A fugitive and a vagabond shalt thou be in the earth. Genesis 9.6 Whoso sheddeth man's blood, by man shall his blood be shed. For the image of God made he man. We are made in the image of God. Commandment number seven. the letter from the beginning God's plan has always been one man with one woman for one lifetime all right cool nice great one um, so it references Genesis 2:24 in Matthew chapter 19 verses three through 9. Um, illustration, uh, very sad. Um, but the Journal of Marital and Family Therapy reported that 41 percent of marriages, one or both spouses, admit to committing adultery, either physically or emotionally. It is sin that is presented today as normal. Um, again, that just normalizing. Sin—it's uh, crazy—and that how uh, yeah, secular entertainment propagates the lie that if you want excitement, um, you need to step out of, out of the bounds of biblical marriage, um, and even before that, yeah, of not even getting married, and how that's all normalized and actually praised—and that's the world promoting sin as life, really, and it's really death. It's, um, but, how, but again, you, you think of the consequences. How does this affect uh, our families, children, and how does it affect others, and how does it affect you? And there's so much negatives that come along with uh, this sin. And despite that, how is it viewed by God? So while the world makes light of this and even praises it, um, God makes it clear that this um, is very serious. Genesis 2:21 through 24 says, And the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon Adam, and he slept. And he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh instead thereof. And the rib which the Lord God had taken from man made he a woman and brought her unto the man. And Adam said this, Now, bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh, she shall be called woman." because she was taken out of man. Therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother, and shall cleave unto his wife, and they shall be one flesh. Matthew 194 through 6 And he answered and said unto them, Have ye not read that he which made them at the beginning made them male and female? And said, For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother, and shall cleave to his wife, and they twain shall be one flesh. Wherefore they are no more twain, but one flesh. What therefore God hath joined together, let not man put asunder. Proverbs five through seven clearly unveil the deceptions and dangers of physical relationships outside of marriage. We see in Genesis thirty nine seven through twelve um, with Joseph uh, the proper response to temptation. Yeah, and saying that you know how the world normalizes stuff, sin and temptations is normal. It's part of being man and being in the world but there's proper responses Um, the proper response we see in Joseph is you run from it Um, he did not try to fight it or be into it he just, uh, some things you just gotta, like dad said um, his saying of sometimes you gotta uh, make a wall between you and something that's a temptation, there's some things you don't want to be even tempted about. You just want to keep it away from you. Put a jail around yourself, um, and that's, those are good things. Uh, just stay away from temptation. Um, keep it out. Run from it. Don't try to stay there and fight it. Um, Benjamin Franklin has a good quote here. It is easier to suppress the first desire than to satisfy all that follows it. Uh, Then it has a a funny illustration. Little Willie's mother had just finished baking a batch of fresh chocolate chip cookies. Ooh, sounds good. Before leaving the kitchen, she instructed her son not to eat any until after supper. And all of us little kids know how this goes. When she returned, she found little Willie with his hand in the cookie jar. Willie, what are you doing? She exclaimed. He replied, I am fighting temptation. So, so if we stay in the temptation, you know, that our hand can't get out of that cookie jar. It's funny with Joe. He always asks me when we go potty, he said, go number one, you get one, one candy. Go number two, you get two candies. But every time he does number one, he's like, two candies? No, just one. But if he leaves his hand in the candy jar long enough, he somehow picks up more than one. See, so I got to be, be sure he's quick at You get one, take it, and go, or otherwise it's like somehow magically he picks up more than one. (laughs) So kind of a funny illustration to that. Um, Just stay away some things we just got to run from, stay away from, put up good walls. Commandment number eight. I can guess myself. Yep, no stealing. That's but new steal. Stealing runs contrary to God's nature. God is a just God and expects his people to also be just. If we love and obey God, we can trust him to meet our needs without resorting to other options. Uh, It has a big uh, illustration of just... um, kind of some numbers of just lost revenue and stuff from retailers and how much of that is by stealing and a lot of it's internal stealing and pretty crazy numbers. For sake of time, I won't read all that. Um, But us as Christians, hopefully we don't struggle with just going to the store and uh, commit um, uh, shoplifting, otherwise them would be on our backs, but um, we struggle in other areas of stealing, um, you yeah, know, just being productive in our workplace. You know, some things, you know, you just you can't always be 100% productive because we are human and stuff happens and distractions, but sometimes we willfully let ourselves get distracted. Um, and that comes down to we're, we're stealing from our bosses if we're not trying our best to make our bosses profitable. Um, so Genesis chapter 3.19, In the sweat of thy face shalt thou eat, eat bread, till thou return unto the ground, for out of it uh, wast thou taken, for dust thou art, and unto dust shalt thou return. Ephesians 4.28 says, Let him that stole steal no more, but rather let him labor working with his hands the things which is good, that he may have to give to him that needeth. Matthew six, thirty three says, But seek ye first the kingdom of God, and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Second Thessalonians three, ten through twelve says, For even we were with you, this we commanded you, that if any would not work, neither should he eat. For If we hear that there are some which walk among you disorderly, working not at all but are busybodies, now then that are such, we command and exhort by our Lord Jesus Christ that which that with quietness they work and eat their own bread um and there's other examples of probably more struggles um and how we steal and the ones I think of all had to do more kind of with that of of Stealing time from others and stuff like that. But for sake like time, we'll move on to commandment number nine. Number nine. Yeah. Well, oh, yeah, that's a good one. Do I? Thou shalt not bear false witness. God is truth. His every word is true. Psalm reminds us that God's word is true from the beginning, uh, referencing Psalm one hundred nineteen one sixty. Jesus said that Satan is a liar and the father of lies, John 8:44), the total opposite of God. Jesus, the Son of God and the living word of God, declared, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Untruthful people imitate Satan. Those who would follow the truth must follow God. Besides the fact that lying is a sin against God, lying about other people harms those whom God made in His image. John 4.24 says, God is a spirit, and they that worship Him must worship Him in spirit and truth. Leviticus 19.11, you shall not steal, neither deal falsely, neither lie one to another. Proverbs 10.18, he that hide." Hideth hatred with lying lips, and he that uttereth a slander is a fool. Psalms 15, verses 1 through 3. Lord, who shall abide in thy tabernacle, who shall dwell in thy holy hill? He that walketh uprightly and worketh righteousness, and speaketh the truth in his heart. He that backbiteth not with his tongue, nor doeth evil to his neighbor, nor taketh up a reproach against his neighbor. Ephesians 4, 31 through 32. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. And be kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. Commandment number 10. Yeah, We'll say no covet. Simply in the Bible, thou shalt not covet. God wants his people to be content rather than covetous. The Apostle Paul said in Philippians 4.11, I have learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. Contentment is something we choose uh, and learn. If we choose to be thankful and content, we will avoid many problems. The Lord Jesus addressed this issue of covetousness clearly. Luke 12:15 through 21, And he said unto them, Take heed and beware of covetousness, for a man's life consisteth not in the abundance of things which he possesseth. And he spake a parable unto them, the ground of a certain rich man brought forth plentiful, and he thought within himself, saying, What shall I do, because I have no room there where to bestow my fruits? And he said, This will I do. I will pull down my barns and build greater, and there I will bestow all my fruits and my goods. I will say to my soul, Soul, thou hast much goods laid up for many years. Take thine ease, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said unto him, Thou fool, this night thy soul shall be required of thee. Then whose shall those things be which thou hast provided? So is he that layeth up treasure for himself, and is not rich toward God. Paul also had a strong warning for Timothy. Uh, Perverse disputings of men, and corrupt minds, and dispute of the truth supposing that gain is godliness, from which withdraw thyself. But godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into this world, and is certain we can carry nothing out. Having food and raiment, let us therewith be content. But they that will be rich fall into temptation and a snare, and into many foolish and hurtful lust, which drown men in destruction and perdition. For the love of money is the root of all evil, which while are some coveted after they have erred from the faith, and pierce themselves through with many sorrow, and it's kind of interesting. Uh, Lydia, yeah, yeah, and Tyler coming back from their mission trip of uh, Mexico, just of uh, that difference there of like how happy some of these people are with little to nothing, um, and just how uh, it's not the things that make you happy; it's being content. Uh, and kind of goes along with Benjamin Franklin saying, Content makes poor men rich, discontent makes rich men poor. All right, point number three, our last point the what codes? Moral. Moral. The moral codes. Following the given of the Ten Commandments in Exodus 21 through 24, God explained to his people what moral codes he expected them to live by. These moral codes cover a wide scope of daily life, from proper relationships between husband and wife, in master and servant, to the relationship between man and beast. In these chapters, we see God's justice and mercy repeatedly illustrated. The precepts were. Revealed. Oh, stink. Oh, okay, got it. Yeah, yep. Exodus 21 provides God's expectation for his people on a variety of topics proper treatment of servants, murder, respect for parents. Um, yeah, and some of these are like, whoo, God expects uh, a lot of some things. Uh, physical violence in livestock. Throughout this chapter, we see God does not leave the guilty unpunished and that accidents are certainly handled differently from premeditated actions. A wise Christian will seek to know what God says about a matter. So often we are tempted to do what is right in our own eyes when God has already told us what is right in His eyes. So we said the precepts were revealed um, with precepts, the promises were, oh, oh that's, that's kind of hard, but, oh, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah,
0: another re, um, has to do with doing it again, repeated. Now, I've been, tough to follow that one. Sticking with his R, sub-point R's. The promises were repeated. Exodus 24, verse 3 and 7 says, And Moses came and told the people all the words of the Lord and all the judgments. And all the people answered with one voice, saying, All the words which the Lord has said we will do. Verse 7 says, And he took the book of the covenant and read in the audience of the people. And they said, All that the Lord has said we will do and be obedient. Prior to the giving of the law, the people had committed themselves to do whatever God would say. Um, Yeah, all the people answered, that all that the Lord has spoken, we will do. Here we see Israel responding to four chapters of directives and commands from their God by repeating the promise they had made earlier. The response to God's commandments and precepts serves as an excellent example for Christians today. Israelites responded to God's commands, gives... Uh, given through Moses by asserting we will do it, Uh, do our job, this willingness to obey is exactly what God desires from us today. May we choose and purpose in our hearts to do uh, what he has instructed us to do. Both of these verses, again repeat, another word is worthy of our notice, Um, not partly, but all. They promise that all the words which you have spoken unto us we will do. They affirm their commitment and total obedience to God. In conclusion, the chapters of Exodus deal with principles that God would have us to follow today. While we are no longer under uh, dietary rules and capital punishment, um, let's not stone people. (laughs) Sometimes we feel like strangling our kids. But... um, a different dispensation there. (laughs) It is not personally in our hands. Um, There is no doubt that God would have us to do, uh, would have us to understand the principles of the proper behavior. Um, And again, yeah, the Lord, got to leave some stuff to the Lord and authorities. Though time and cultures have changed, we may understand from this lesson God's unchanging truth. He always blesses obedience to his word. Are you willing to obey him completely? So that is lesson eight, Moses on the mountain, obeying God's commands. So Dan, you want to come up and uh close us with your...
1: Yeah, just one thought to think about the commandments. Um, maybe some sometime I'll preach on it, but just the thought. If you get this right, this alone. All right, let's pray. Father, we do thank you for uh, the lessons, Lord, of Moses on the mountain, the Ten Commandments, and uh, how they exist today, Uh, Lord God, and just the the moral code that is around the world that's put within us that we know, but yet people still don't want to acknowledge God. And so, Father, may, again, as we've been reminded today, to be a witness, to be a testimony, to, to learn, to study, to memorize, as we'll be doing, uh, your word, and uh, to be a witness for you in a lost and dying world, for we ask it in Jesus' name, Amen.